Hallelujah. Tonight we're going to study his word and we've got it together. I'm just going to let us pray. I want us to speak as individuals to God that your life will become a model. I want us to pray that whatever experience is in your life will become a model, will become a memorial, you know, something that others will remember for good and to the glory and to the praise of his name. Can we go ahead and just pray? Let's just pray that prayer. That this one life to live, your life will become a memory before God. That whatever it is in your life, your future, your today, your choice, and all that you will do, that our lives will become something to be remembered for good. I want us to pray that the hand of the Lord will rest upon us in a very definitive and specific ways in the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Father. We give you praise and honor tonight. We bless your name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Let us pray together. Father, tonight we want to give you thanks. We're grateful to you because of your eternal plan and purpose. We lift you high because you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the God of all flesh. You have called us together as your people that you may train, equip, energize, and challenge us to go forth and become a model for the world. This world is passing away, and the hearts of many are filling them for fear, and they do not have hope in nothing. But Lord, tonight we release ourselves as your people. We commit ourselves to the divine covenant of God. We commit ourselves to your truth and to your counsel. We commit your, ourselves to your will and to your plan for our lives. The Father, what we have never seen before, what this generation has never experienced, let it be that this one life to live, Lord, we will shine forth for you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, open our eyes of understanding tonight. Reveal yourself to us, O God. We give you praise and honor. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. And amen. amen. Tonight we, we sang this song. But this is not just a song. The song we're singing tonight was a revelation given to a man who had a first-hand experience with God. I want us to go ahead tonight and look at the word of God that we just read. In the book of Psalm 23, and I want us to believe that God has something in mind to say to us. From the song we sang, the title is The Rock of Ages Cleft for Me. Now, for many of us who are familiar with hymnal stories, it was a story of Top Lady. It was a particular man who was, you know, going out one day and somehow in his journey there was a big storm. It was a storm that was very bad. And it was getting so serious that the man had to make a decision quickly. It stood between life and death. And so, but somehow, divinely, there were two caves close to where, you know, he was. And when the storm was becoming dangerous, he quickly ran into the cave. It was a small cave, but he hid himself in the cave, you know, until the storm was over. Now... When the storm was over, he was able to put down the danger and the peril and the possibility of a lost life that he could have experienced. He was able to put it together that, look, I see what I experienced as the role of the rock of ages. 
that my experience, what the cave, what the rocks did for me, also could explain what God can do to those who depend and trust in him. It says, the rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water run the blood from thy wounded side which flowed. Be of sin the double kill. Saved from wrath and make me pure. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill the Lord's commands. Could my zeal no respite nor could my tears forever flow. All for sin could not atone. Thou must save thou alone. Where am I going tonight? It's the fact that if we're working with God and if we're to fulfill our destiny in God, we must have our history in God. What we read in the book of Psalms 23, I, was, uh, I just started tonight's message as the portrait of a shepherd. The portrait of a shepherd. One of the clear definitions that we have seen in the scriptures is that God revealed himself to his people in diverse ways and in various manners. One of the things we saw in the book of Genesis was that when God called Abraham, one of the manifestations of God as we saw in Genesis chapter 17 was that the scripture declares God said unto, unto Abraham, I'm the Lord God Almighty. Meaning, I'm the Eshadai God. I'm the all-supplying God. I can supply your needs in all situations. So God reveals himself to his people in diverse ways. Remember that God reveals himself as the Jehovah Shalom. It was the God, their peace. God revealed himself to his people as the Jehovah, you know, Jehovah Shammah. You know, God revealed himself to his people in different and diverse manners. In one of the times during the days of Moses, when God showed up and revealed himself to Moses, we remember when we're reading the book of Exodus chapter 15, the Bible said the Lord is a man of war, the, the, you know, the Lord is his name. God revealed himself as a warrior because Israel was in captivity and the enemy was determined to eradicate and to wipe the generation out. And God had to show himself forth before his people as a man of war. I can fight, I can deliver, I can save, that's who I am. So we see God revealing himself in diverse ways to his people. In this scripture that we read in the book of Psalm 23, the first two words says, the Lord, the Lord. The word Lord here means the Elohim, which means a self-existing one. A self-existing one. No one created him, but he made all things. The, that word is very critical to this passage. It says, I'm the self-existing one. The Lord. No one made him. Before everything was, he was. 
when everything will cease to exist, he remains the same. No one made him. In other words, he exists out of time. He is not controlled by circumstance. He is not controlled by time. He is not controlled by man. He is a self-existing God. No one can counsel him. No one can decide for him. He does what he pleases at the time that he pleases. And he fulfills his counsel in the lives of those who learn and desire to trust in him. He's a self-existing one. What does it mean to self-exist? You self-exist because you are above everything. You are greater than everything. You are the author of everything. That's what it means to self-exist. So God, self, the Bible declares here, in, out of many ways by which he's revealed himself, because of the message he's about to pass to us, that I'm a self-existing one. No one questions me. No one queries my approach. No one challenges my authority. The reason is very simple. For I declare the hand from the very beginning. I know all things. I created all things. I can do all things. I'm in charge of all things. I make light to be at their time. I can command darkness to be at night. I command nature to operate in its wings. I flung the stars into the sky. I am the self-existing one. One of the times that the man of God, Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37, was taken by the Spirit of God into the valley of the dry bones. The Bible declares, and the Lord spoke, and the Lord spoke unto his servant, saying, Ezekiel, prophesy unto these bones, and the bones shall live. The Bible says, and Ezekiel replied and said, Oh Lord God, it's another way by which God revealed himself. He says, Oh sovereign God. Sovereign means he knows what to do. He's sovereign. When he does what he does, it astounds us. It surprises us. We are stunned by his activities. But you see, he is not moved by his activities. Because behind what he does is his purpose. Behind his activities is a divine will. It's a divine manifestation. He's sovereign. Many of us are here tonight with questions in our hearts. And we're wondering why is this this? Why is that that? You know, I've, I've had people several times, you know, why would God allow this? We have often forgotten his sovereign. We've lost the sight of who he is. In his sovereignty, hidden in his sovereignty is his goodness. God is not sovereign to evil. He's sovereign to his goodness. Because a man cannot out operate outside of his nature. His nature is a good nature. The Bible says the Lord is good to those who call upon him. So God is sovereign. Now in this scripture, we were able to see the Bible says, And David... A man raised of God. I believe David was raised of God. Like many of us have been raised of God in our times of solitude. In our times when there is nothing. In our times of difficulty. In our times when it seems the entire world is collapsing on us. Because this young man was all by himself. The entire family was enjoying the bliss of the home. But he most of the time was always with the sheep alone. The Lord is 
my shepherd. I love this verb, is. David did not say the Lord was my shepherd. David did not say the Lord could be my shepherd. Nobody informed David. David said the Lord is. It's a present continuous, meaning the Lord is still my shepherd. How many of us remember Jacob when Jacob was about to go to glory? When Jacob was about to, you know, sleep with his fathers? Jacob said, he said, the God who has fed me all my life. He wasn't talking about food. <laughs> he said, bless the lad. They brought, Joseph brought the two kids, his two children to, jo to Jacob to bless them. Don't forget that Jacob was already an old man. Jacob had been through the thick and the thin of life. Jacob had been, he's been an outcast from God. He has returned to God. He has known the ways of God. By this time, Jacob was a broken man. Jacob already knew the God of Israel. And they brought the children to him. Jacob said, he lifted up his right hand and placed on the child on the left. Lifted up his left hand and, you know, placed it on the, on the child on the right side. And said, the Lord who has fed me. I love that sentence. In other words, God, I have a history with you. I couldn't have been who I am today without you. Because in the natural, I shouldn't be existing. I shouldn't be living now. I should have been a dead corpse. But God, who has fed me? And if you read the story of Jacob, you will know indeed that God fed him. Oh yes, God fed Jacob. God, he wasn't talking about food. He was talking about the God who sustained him. In spite of his errors, in spite of his in inabilities, in spite of his in, in spite of his inadequacies, he said, God who has fed me. You remember him, how he deceived his brother. Left his home and ran away. Went to the father's, went to the uncle's place, Laban. Walked with, walk with his uncle. And before he left the uncle's house, we remember what happened to this man. This man also deceived the uncle and left the house of the uncle. Of course, we know what the uncle did was wrong. Ten times, the man changed Jacob's wages. He deceived Jacob. He was a master deceiver. And he was coming back. And we remember his experience, how he met with God at Bethel. And the angel of the Lord encountered Jacob and turned his life around. His name that there was changed from being a supplanter and being a prince of God. You're not going to, not going to be a supplanter, a shrewd man, a shrewd man, and a scrupulous fellow. From today, you become a prince of God. I mean, of us know that when we came into the kingdom, we became princes with God. The Bible says, those of us who have been on the dunghill, he has made to be princes and princes of his people. He made us prince unto himself. He is our king, but he made us princes. Hallelujah to Jesus. So, Jacob also had an experience with God. So, the Bible says, the Lord is. It's a present continuous. We must never lose the sight of the fact that the God that we serve is a living God. He said, he is. I love the word is because it explains the fact that the Lord is talking about never dies. It speaks of the continuous existence of his support. Is. Is. Listen, many of us sometimes think God has done favor for us in the past. He's been there for us, but now it appears that God has forgotten us. He has not forgotten. He still is. 
He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. The Bible calls him the ancient of days. He does not age. And you know what I also noticed from this man? He said the Lord. It means God who does not panic. There are situations in our lives that makes us panic. We become panic prone. We're going to get there. Because David was about to describe something that is very typical of many of us today as believers, as people of God. David said, this Lord does not panic. He's Lord. He's self-existing. He's not afraid of nothing. He's in charge of all things. Hallelujah. My belief is this tonight. If I have to believe anybody to teach me anything about life, I have to go to somebody that I know I've been through where I'm also going through. I never will learn from a man who is inexperienced in what I'm doing. Because he will empathize with me, but he will not understand the details of what I go through. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus became the captain of our salvation because God could have rescued us. Isn't that possible? But God chose the right path. For you to become a perfect example, you must go through the same experience. Jesus was a clear-cut experience for us. The Bible declares in the book of Hebrews chapter 2. The book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. I'm going to read from here. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. This is what the scripture says about Jesus. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. The Bible declares in that scripture, he himself likewise shared in the same. So Jesus shared in the same. He became, he became who we are. So that he can understand what we go through. And he will be able to become a perfect deliverer and a perfect example for us. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, this is what the scripture says. The scripture declares, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But was in all point tempted as we are. I love that scripture. But was in all point. I must say all points. All point, in other words... I will have no excuse before this man. In all points, he was tempted. In all points of existence of man, man is a spirit, he has a soul, but he lives in the body. The Bible tells us here, Jesus was tempted in all points. It's my belief that Jesus was tempted at the three realms of man's existence. His spirit, his emotions, and also his physical body. Don't forget why Jesus was on the cross. His mother was right there. Jesus' emotion was there. He will empathize with his mother. And he looked at his servant John and said, you know, he looked at him and said, son, look at your mother. And mother, look at your son. He never left, even the mother alone. He actually took care of the emotional part of his own life. So Jesus will empathize with every part of our lives. What am I saying? He, it's very difficult to teach what you don't know. In John chapter 1 verse 14, the Bible says, for he, you know, the word became flesh. That was the first incarnate we saw. It became flesh. He's not flesh. 
That's the mistake a lot of Jesus is in flesh, but he became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the scripture says, the glory of only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Hallelujah. I believe it's my strong belief tonight that what we have come to study tonight is a very critical thing. The portrait of a shepherd. I want to join me in turning your Bible to the book of John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I'm going to come back to the book of Psalm 23, but I want us to read this scripture. John chapter 10 from verse 1. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hears his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follows him for they know his voice. Now I want us to see this tonight that God wants us to see the other side of him. That he's not just God who sits in heaven. He's a God who is a shepherd. He's a God who cares like a shepherd will care. Now the Bible says here, Jesus, how important this is, this truth is, Jesus, this particular you know, chapter of the Bible was dedicated to the fact that Jesus is a shepherd. So we did not just read this in the Old Testament. We are also reading in the New Testament. I'm going to tell us the specifics of each of these sections. The Bible declares in verse 5, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. In verse 7, Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pastures. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now the mission of Jesus was streamlined to death of a shepherd. Why is this this way? Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34. The book of Ezekiel 34 Why is this picture of a shepherd critical to us as believers? Why is this understanding important to us as a people that God has called? Why is it that we need to know that the God that we serve is our shepherd? What is his role? What should a shepherd be? What is the implication of a shepherd in a believer's life? 
what is the import of this understanding to me and to my relationship to God? How does it affect my day to day as a believer? This is very clear. I want us to listen. I'm going to teach in a little while. Ezekiel chapter 34. Please listen. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel, who fed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? In this scripture, God sent his prophet that there are prophets in the land. There are shepherds in the land. That God had given a, an assignment and he has given it a task to feed his flock. But these shepherds decided to feed themselves at the expense of the flock. Now, what this passage of the scripture is saying is basically the role of a shepherd. And the role that is being discussed in this passage will give us a revelation of what the role that God plays in the lives of his own people. Please, I want us to understand this tonight. Because if we do not understand the role of God being a shepherd to us, it will be difficult to be sheep. Hallelujah. Well, it will be very difficult to be responsible sheep if we don't know him as a shepherd. But what should be the role of a shepherd? Now, what we're going to read in this passage tells us, open our understanding to the, to the expectations of God from a shepherd. Let's see what he says. And we're going to just oppose that to the book of Psalms. And we're going to just oppose that to the book of John. We're going to put all these three scriptures together and other scriptures. And then we'll be able to have a clear picture in a man. Who is a shepherd? Hallelujah. The scripture declares a word to the shepherds of Israel who fed themselves. You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. Now, what is the message that we are seeing in this passage? The first role of a shepherd that we have seen in this place is that a shepherd does what? Number one, looks for food. Ensures that every sheep is properly fed. Every shepherd must understand that the sheep takes the first place before them, themselves. God is saying, look at these people. They call themselves shepherds, but you see, they are after their own good, not the good of the people. So they are not shepherds. They are eating, they are getting fat, but the people are leaning up. The people are becoming, you know, famished because they've been denied the appropriate food. I'm going to continue. The scripture says in verse 4, The weak you have not strengthened. Very important. The weak you have not strengthened. Nor have you healed those who were sick. Or bound up the broken. Nor brought back what was driven away. Nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty. You have ruled them. Now listen to me. I want us to observe what this scripture is saying in verse 4. It's saying a shepherd does not rule by force. A true shepherd 
does not rule by what? By force. The scripture declares here that as a shepherd that the weak were not strengthened. <laughs> this verse 4 is a very critical scripture because it does not only give us the picture of the role of a shepherd, it also gives us the possibilities, the tendencies, the idiosyncrasies of the sheep. I'm going to say it again. This verse reveals to us the possibilities, the traits, the things that we could observe easily among the sheep. The Bible says one of the things you're probably going to see among the sheep is that some of them are weak. Hallelujah. Again, you will notice that some of them are sick. You will also understand that some of them, they have been, you know, nav- they have been become broken. Some of them have, emo- they have become emotionally broken. The Bible says here, every shepherd must be able to understand that the responsibility of a shepherd is to strengthen the sheep. Is to give healing to the sheep. Is to encourage the sheep to become what God has made them to be. This is the responsibility of a shepherd. The scripture declares, so they were scattered. The Bible says, and brought back the driven away, nor sought that which was lost. Listen to me tonight. I want us to understand this. One of the characteristics of the sheep is that the sheep usually are always being led astray. One of the major traits of an average sheep is that they easily get lost. Some are in the midst of what they do in, in their carelessness, sheep can become a victim. Sheep are so vulnerable, they can easily stray away. The Bible says here, but the responsibility and the role and the function of a true shepherd is not just to sit and eat and become fat, is to look after those who have become weak, who have become broken, who have become sick, and who are lost. And when they are lost, it is the responsibility of the shepherd to bring them back. In one of the parables of Jesus, while he was being accused by the Pharisees, why must he heal a man on a Sabbath? How many of us remember that story? Jesus said, he related the story of a shepherd and said, if a shepherd is going and one of the sheep, he has hundred sheep and one of them is lost. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd goes after the one that is lost and bring them back. He abandons the 99 and goes after the one that is lost and bring them back. That is the responsibility of a shepherd. Jesus is saying, I mean, this scripture is saying, this is the role of a shepherd. I'm going somewhere. I want you to follow me. The Bible says in verse 6, My sheep wandered through all the mountains, and on every high hill, yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food for every beast of the feed, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherd fed themselves and did not feed the flock. 
Thus says the Lord in verse 10, God. Behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hands. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may no longer be food for them. Verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, indeed I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. I will bring them back. I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in good pasture. Hallelujah. I want us to begin to pay attention now. God is saying, look, shepherds, you have failed in your responsibility. The true responsibility of a shepherd is the fact that a shepherd must feed his people. But you see, I love this verse in verse 14. It says, not just feed them. With whatever you can find. With whatever you think is available. Don't just feed them. With what you think you can afford. A shepherd does not just feed the sheep with what he can just find. A shepherd looks after a particular meal that is sufficient in building the strength of the sheep. A shepherd, the Bible says here in verse 14, I will feed them in what? Good pasture. Hallelujah. It says, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. They shall lie down in good fold and feed in rich pasture. Two things have been said here. Good pasture, rich pasture on the mountain of Israel. I will feed my flock. I will make them lie down, says the Lord. Hallelujah. He says, I will feed them with good pasture, with rich pasture. And he said, another responsibility, I will make them to lie down. Do you know what it means to lie down there? What he says is that after they are done eating, I will make them to dwell in a safe place. They will dwell. They will lay down. They will rest. I will ensure that my sheep always have the necessary rest. That's my plan. He went further. I will seek what was lost. Church tonight, God never gives up on the sheep. Never. Many of us are here tonight, we've given up on people. He never. He says, I will seek the lost and bring them back that was driven away. Bind up the broken. Strengthen that which was sick. But I would destroy the fat and the strong. And feed them in judgment. But as for you, my flock, in verse 17, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I shall judge between the sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. It is too little for you to have eaten up good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture. To have drunk of the clear waters, that you must foul the residue with your feet. Now, this passage of the scripture typically is to Israel. God relating to his own people as their shepherd. 
And God saw many of us who have read history of Israel that at the time that the people went into apostasy, there were many false prophets who rose in the land. Even in the days of Solomon, in the days of David, many of us remember there were men who were against the sheep. They were not having the interest of the sheep at all. We remember Ahithophel, who was one of the people who gave wrong counsel. And the men, we remember those men. There were people who were always among the people to give the wrong counsel. They were not shepherds. They were false men and women. We remember when Israel left Egypt on their way back to the land of Canaan. The Bible speaks of a group of people that mingled themselves with these people. They were called the mixed multitude. They were the people, they were the chiefs who were always redirecting the people away from God because they do not have the heart of a shepherd for the people. So at every point in time, there were always wrong people occupying the position of power and authority. And God is saying, listen, you need to straighten up. This is the role of a shepherd. I just brought this up. Let's, let's go back to John chapter 10. And I'm going to close on Psalm 23. In John chapter 10, what we saw here is not just the role of a shepherd. No. What we saw in this passage is the romance. It's the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. Jesus here saying, listen, you've read about the shepherd. I am the very shepherd that David was talking about. I am the door of the sheep. I am the shepherd of my people. It says in verse 11, Jesus in John chapter 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Hallelujah. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus began to expand more of the role of a shepherd to us. Don't forget where we stopped. Jesus was declaring to us that, listen, there are sheep and there are doors to the sheep. That there are many people that are hirelings. They were coming and they are not the shepherds, so they intend to speak to the sheep, but my sheep will not hear their voice. They will only hear my voice. There's a relationship that I've built between myself and my sheep. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He says in that verse, he says in verse 11, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Did we see that? It says there are other people who are hirelings. They are not the shepherd. When they notice that the, you know, the wolf is coming, they abandon the sheep and run away. But I don't and the sheep will be scattered. But I am a good shepherd. A good shepherd does not abandon the sheep in a time when things are difficult. A good shepherd stays with the sheep, gives their life to the sheep, do not abandon the sheep. All of these things put together. We saw the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. We saw in the book of Ezekiel the role of a shepherd. We saw the tendencies, the possibilities, the lifestyle of an average sheep. A sheep can be weak, a sheep can be sick, a sheep can be lost, a sheep can be, can be broken. But it is the role of the shepherd to bring the sheep and provide the necessary comfort for the sheep. Now where am I going tonight? I want us to turn back to the book of Psalm 23. This is the heart of the message tonight. And I want us to listen to the word of the Lord. Psalm 23. Please listen. Listen. 
Psalm 23. I believe the Lord has a word for us tonight. It is my belief that God raised David. It is my belief. For David to be a true example of a true shepherd. God used a physical, natural man that we could see to explain the details and the dimensions and the roles and the responsibilities of a shepherd and the responsibility and the role and the responsibility of the sheep to the shepherd. Now, I want us to understand from history, it was said that Psalm 23 was written probably. It was an argument, but it was generally agreed upon among theologians that Psalm 23 was written at the closing days of the life of David. So this is a book not written by a young man. It was not an apostate book. It was a book that was written with so much experience. If, when we're beginning to study the passage of this Psalm 23, you begin to see the revelation of the Spirit of what was the responsibility and the role that was being explained here to us as the portrait of a shepherd. Before we leave here tonight, we're going to pray as individuals. We need to begin to have a new and renewed relationship with God. We must understand that he's not just God in heaven, that he's my shepherd. Whatever I can see in a shepherd is what it does to me. Whatever I can behold, whatever I can understand as the role of a shepherd is what it does even when I don't know it. Psalm 23. You know what I saw in this passage? How many of us understand that just before Psalm 23, that was a Psalm 22. Hallelujah. That these Psalms, this Psalm 23 is not just standing on its own. It has its rest on Psalm 22. It's an amazing thing. That in Psalm 22 verse 1, the Bible says, the scripture, it, it is called the Messianic Psalm. In Psalm 22 verse 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the voice, it was a prophetic word of what the Messiah was going to become. Who is this true shepherd? Who was to give his life to the sheep? So that psalm relates to Psalm 22. It was declaring Jesus presenting himself before the Father. I'm ready to sacrifice myself on behalf of the sheep. Now, Psalm 23 becomes clearer to us that this psalm is written with an understanding of the fact that there is a shepherd that is greater than David that was coming. There is a shepherd that was coming behind this man who was greater and who had an eternal responsibility to raise sheep unto God. Don't forget David. David was a young man who raised sheep for his family. It was a family business. David did everything he could to ensure that the, pe that the sheep were at rest. Now, I want us to remember the, the story of David very well. David, in his experience as a shepherd, saw the lion and saw the bears. We saw that from his explanation in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, when he faced Goliath, he said, I remember that when the lion and the bear came, he did not run away from the lion nor from the bear. The same way God is saying to his people through his servant, the Lord, this is, this, this is the man who was a shepherd himself, haven't remembered his own experience, haven't gone through the experience of a shepherd, haven't dedicated himself to the sheep, ensuring that the sheep were safe and secure. David in his old age, 
looked up and looked around in his palace. Looked at everyone around him and said, the Lord is my shepherd. What is scripture? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I love what David said here. David knew what most men don't know as a shepherd. You know what David knew? David knew that every shepherd has a relationship not just with the food. Every shepherd has a relationship with every sheep. Hello? When he says, my shepherd, David did not say, the Lord is our shepherd. No. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Why? Because David knew that as a shepherd, every sheep is important to you. And this brings back the story that I told you about the parable of Jesus. When a sheep is lost, a shepherd abandons the 99, goes after the one because the relationship of a shepherd is with every sheep. May I say this to you tonight? You're not alone. Your shepherd cares for you. God is not looking at the body of Christ and treating the church as the same. God knows you. He knows who you are. Because he's your shepherd. He knows the number of the hairs in your head. He knows the cadence of your voice. He knows your, he knows your DNA. He knows your fingerprints. He knows why he made you. He knew he has made you for a divine purpose. Yeah. I want us to know tonight that every sheep has a uniqueness. And the shepherd understands the uniqueness of every sheep. And the shepherds never, never compares one sheep with the other. Because the makeup of every sheep is different. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Does it occur to you tonight that he's your shepherd? That he knows you? He knows the details of your life. He knows when no one was there. He knew the time you were born. He said unto Jeremiah, before you were formed in the belly of your mother, I knew you. What an incredible God we serve. He said, I knew you. I know your frame. I know your form. I know how long you've been. I know how long the crisis in your life had been. I am your shepherd. I care for you. I mean, I was wondered sometime, and let me be, to be honest with you, in the church, this is some of the problems we have. Everybody says, you know, they don't care. Nobody cares. Nobody asks me questions. Listen, there is somebody who is constantly speaking to your ears. He knows what you need. He knows what you're going through. He's your shepherd. The Bible says, John, Jesus was saying, he says, I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. Hallelujah. My shepherd, David knew that God knew him. He knew his weakness. He knew the love that God, that David had for him. And tonight, one of the critical part of our lives is that he knows us. He knows who you are. He knows where you're going. He knows where you're going to be tomorrow. He knows the plan that he has for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thought that I think towards you. The you in that passage is a singular you. I know you. I know the thought that I think towards you. It is a thought of peace and not of evil. That you may have a future and a hope. God knows you. He knows your frame. In verse 2 of the passage of the scripture. I shall not want. I shall not want. That sentence or that phrase is predicated on the first one. The Lord 
is my shepherd. From all that we have read tonight, a shepherd knows the sheep. A shepherd knows where the, where the pasture is grain. A shepherd knows where there is a good pasture. A shepherd must know where they have a rich and succulent pasture. And that is why David said, I shall not want. Why? Because I'm in the hand of a good shepherd. I'm in the hand of a trusted shepherd. My shepherd cares for me. He knows where the green, where the pasture is green. And he's going to take care of me. Tonight, wherever you're standing, sitting tonight, I want us to come to this understanding. David said, I shall not want. It's a language of trust. David said, I haven't worked as a shepherd boy for this number of years. I haven't cared for the sheep. I know in my heart that no shepherd will ever allow a sheep to go lacking. Did you hear what I said? No shepherd will ever allow a sheep to go lacking. No, I shall not want. It's an assurance in my spirit. It cares and I can trust him. David had come to a point in his life, he said, listen, anything can happen. One thing I know is that my shepherd will not leave me with a lack. Why did he say this? You can remember his history. David, in his, one of the ways he was running away, he ran into the hand of the enemy. And you know what? David heard the whisper of the shepherd. While he was in the hand of the Philistine, David stood in the house of the Philistine. And the shepherd whispered into his ears, begin to behave like a madman. That's the shepherd. And God gave him wisdom. Whispered into his ears. This is solution now. You are a man of war. But this time, your strength will fail you. What you need now is the wisdom to get out of here. David began to pour saliva on himself. And the king of the Philistines saw him and said, where did you see the madman? Get him out of here. And when David was pushed out, I can imagine David laying down and said, oh God, my shepherd. What a wisdom you've given to me in my life. One more time, you deliver me from the hands of the fallen, of the hands of the enemy that could have destroyed me. You give me wisdom. You're my shepherd. When David was driven out of his office as a king by his son, and it became a reproach and a shame, he ran away. You can imagine what it means for his son to send his father out. And the son began to sleep with the father's wives. And the house stops in the hope. And David, in shame, left. His men wanted to fight. David said, no, don't fight. I'm in the hand of a shepherd. And David kept going. I know when the man stood up, while David was running away, there was a young man who stood up and began to cast stone to David and said, you man, you took over. It was a man from the house of Saul. You took over the responsibility and the kingship from my father. And one of the men of war wanted to kill him. David said, no, don't kill him. Do you know why? Maybe God has spoken to him that God may look at me and have mercy on me. Maybe God wants to reveal something to me. What a man who knew he had a shepherd. Shepherd. A shepherd knows you. Knows everything about you. David one day misbehaved. And was responsible in killing a man. And David came back into the house. And was about to lay down. And David remembered, can I hide from my shepherd? 
And the shepherd who knew who David was sent a man to David, Nathan, the prophet, and came into the house and said, who is this man who, what shall we do to this man who has done this great evil? The king said, on this, in this land, what was we do? David never knew it was a shepherd. Who was interested, David was lost. The shepherd did not want David to be lost like Saul was lost. Still provided a means of repentance for David. Though you will bear the consequences of your sin, but I will save you. I will save you. And you know the good side of a shepherd? When a shepherd forgives, he forgives totally. This shepherd forgave and told David, I will not only forgive you, this throne is for you and for generations after you. A shepherd, a shepherd blesses. It does not destroy. When we see the hand of a destroyer, it shows there is no shepherd there. There is no shepherd that is how to destroy a sheep. A shepherd is there to build, to raise, to nurture, to cherish the sheep. Do we remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10? The thief comment. Because that's the role of a destroyer. To steal, to kill. And to destroy. But I have come as a shepherd to give you life and that you may have it in abundance. So David knew what he was talking. It says, I shall not want. The word want there can be replaced with many words. There are synonyms for that word when we check it in the Hebrew words. It means I shall not fail. It means I shall not be decreased. It means I shall not go under. It means as long as he's my shepherd, I will not go under. I may be in debt today. I may hold money. But my shepherd will not allow me to go under. I shall not want. Verse 2. Let me close on these scriptures tonight. And just run through it. It makes me to lie down in green pastures. I've talked about that today. That the shepherd looks for where, the sh- where, the, where it is green. And takes the sheep to lie down in the green pasture. Let me tell us something here before I leave that portion of that scripture. I believe that every shepherd knows where the grass is safe. How many of us know that not even every green grass is safe? There are some poisons that may be green. But the shepherd knows this looks green, but it is not safe. Therefore, I will take you to where it is safe and it is green. And I will cause you to pasture, to heat where it is rich. So, the shepherd is interested in the health of the sheep. Tonight, I don't care what is going on in our lives, God is interested in your health. He's going to lead you to the places where his counsel and his purpose for your life will be accomplished. I'm going to close on verse 3. Some other time God will help me to finish this passage of the scripture. The Bible says, he leads me, sorry, in verse 2, he leads me besides tea waters. I love that sentence. He leads me. Ever say, he leads. He leads me. How many of us are here tonight? If you know you're a sheep, you must learn to listen to your shepherd. He wants to lead you. Many of us have taken so many steps in our lives, we never listened to him. We never asked him for it. And each time the people of God made decisions without asking him, we always paid due prizes for it. Joshua started as a, as a leader of the people of Israel. He was always consulting the God of Israel. God gave him a promise after the demise of Moses. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. 
every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that I have given unto you. That was the promise of God to Joshua. In every battle, Joshua inquired of the Lord before he went into battle. But there was a battle that Joshua did not ask from the Lord. It was a massacre. The people of God became victim because the leader, the shepherd, did not care to ask. He wants to lead us. The book of Romans chapter 8, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Psalm 16 verse 11, the scripture declared, Thou will show me the path of life. Thou will show me the path of life. You will show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Remember the story of a sister? She wanted to start a business, and the Lord said, Do this business. It was a ridiculous business. He did not measure up to our standard. But that was where the shepherd knew the pasture was green. But we begin to ask the, 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 the shepherd today, Lord, lead me to where the, the pasture is green. Lead me to the safe pasture. Lead me to the safe places. Many of us have got into, uh, since entangled into certain relationship with people. The people we don't know. Many of them are not, they don't know God. They don't have any relationship with God. God is saying, I can lead you. He lead me beside still waters. So my father knows, my shepherd knows that there are certain decisions in my life that are not chaotic. It will lead me to those still waters. Hallelujah. I'm going to close on verse 3. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. He restores my soul. I was reading a book by Philip Keller. I want to listen to what he says. He was writing about the story of the Jews, the relationship between the Jews, or a shepherd, and the sheep. Because it explains this verse 3. It restores my soul. This is what he said. Sheep are built in such a way that if they fall on their side, and then on their back. Many of us know sheeps. The Bible says, and this man says, if they fall on their back, it is very difficult for them to get up again. They flail their legs in the hair. They bleat and they cry. After a few hours on their backs, gas will begin to collect into their stomach. They begin to have gas being collected into their stomach. And you know what happens? Their stomach will harden. The air passage for them to breathe will be cut off. And the sheep will eventually suffocate. They call it a name. They call it a cast down position for a sheep. A cast down position. But when a shepherd sees the sheep in that position, this is what he does. I want us to listen. He reassures the sheep. He goes close to the sheep. Rob the sheep. Massages its legs to restore circulation of blood to every part of the veins. Gently turns the sheep aside and lift the sheep up. They don't just do it. It's a process. And hold it. 
so that it can regain its composure again. This is how our shepherd is to us, many of us tonight. When we are cast down on our back, when we go astray from him, he does not abandon you. He massages you. When it appears we have lost our hold in him, he brings the composure back to our lives. This is our shepherd. The portrait of a shepherd. May the Lord bless us. May the Lord open our eyes to know that you're not alone. There is a shepherd over your life. He speaks. He leads. He protects. He guides. He assures. He reassures. He heals. He binds up. That's our shepherd. Let's rise up to pray. The portrait of a shepherd. Lord, we give you praise tonight. We give you glory and honor tonight. Let's just speak to the Lord tonight. You love us, Father. You love us so dearly as a shepherd. And you care for us. We've come to celebrate your love for us tonight. We've come to talk about your goodness and your mercy. As the good shepherd, as our great shepherd, and as our sheep shepherd, you will heal the brokenhearted. You will bring back them that are scattered and are lost. Your word tells us that you will feed us. Your word says that you will bless us. We thank you tonight. We give you glory tonight. Lord, like David, we have come before you tonight. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. My comfort is important to you. My life is critical to you. I'm not just among the crowd. You know me individually. You love me singly. You care for me. You have a purpose for my life, I suppose. You know my reigns. You know the place of my dwellings. What a God I serve. Yes, Lord, tonight. Thank you, Lord. Let 
relationship with you as a shepherd is, as a sheep is going to change. I will hear your voice. I will read your word. I will work with you. I will love you. Because you care. Because you know me. Therefore tonight my shepherd, I'm leaving this place tonight with a sense of covenant. I will love you. I will listen to you. I will obey you. In the name of Jesus. I've been doing what I want for myself before, but from now, that in every situation I know that you have my best interest in your mind. Therefore, I will listen to you, my father. I will, I will fulfill my responsibility as a sheep. In the name of Jesus, I will obey you. I will hear your voice. I will trust you from this day. In the name of Jesus, for I know that you want to lead me beside still waters. I've been leading myself. I've been leading myself in several ways. From tonight, I'm committed to your leadings. I'm committed to your guidance. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. I'll follow you. I will follow your guidance, Father. We give you glory and honor tonight. In Jesus' precious name, we are prayed. Father, we thank you tonight. It's just wonderful to see that we cannot exhaust who you are. You're more than enough. When we think we got it made, we, when we think we've understood you, you reveal more of yourself to us. That you're not just our savior. You're not only our deliverer. You're our shepherd. You want to show us how much you care tonight. How much you love. Tonight, we thank you. We thank you because you have shown us that a true shepherd indeed cares for the sheep. 
that a true shepherd thinks for the sheep, that a true shepherd loves the sheep, that a true shepherd dies for the sheep, that a true shepherd will bless the sheep, that a true shepherd will bind up the sheep, that a true shepherd will heal the sheep, that a true shepherd will bring back the lost sheep. We receive grace tonight to be sheep and sheep indeed. Whatever we have been struggling with you, we relinquish our struggles tonight. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 